When you see the vapor pillar link the forest and the sky, then you'll know the sugar-making season's drawing nigh. Frosty night and foggy day makes the maple pulses play. Till congested by their sweetness, they delight to bleed away. Then bubble, 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 bubble goes the pan. Hello, welcome to Vermont Untapped a podcast from the Vermont Folklife Center that explores the state through the voices of its own residents. I'm Mary Wesley, and it's sugaring season. Sweetest joys indeed we sugar makers know. The song you just heard is sung by Vermont singer and song collector Margaret MacArthur, and it describes the signs and scenes of late February, early March in Vermont. Frosty night and thawy day make the maple pulses play. The golden billows coming from the sugar house as sugar makers boil down sap into maple syrup. Sugaring is a central part of life in Vermont. Anthropologist Marge Bruchak tells us that the Abnaki people, the indigenous group native to Vermont, called the fourth new moon of the year the maple sugar-making moon. The Abnaki were the first people in the place we now call Vermont to boil down sap and make syrup and they taught European settlers this practice, one unique to North America. Today in Vermont, sugaring is an important economic activity and a seasonal milestone that marks the transition from winter to spring. Not to mention, it's how we create our best-known, homegrown sweet treat. Along with syrup, candy, and other maple products, the seasonal pastime of visiting the sugar house is often evoked as a classic Vermont activity for tourists and locals alike. It's no surprise, then, that there are songs about sugaring, or even that the Vermont Folklife Center might make reference to the activity in the name of its own podcast, Vermont Untapped. In our case, we're not tapping trees, but our archive, which contains thousands of interviews with Vermonters talking about their everyday lives and experiences. Today's episode brings you a seasonal selection of audio excerpts from our collection that reflect the sugaring tradition and its prominence in Vermont life across the generations. When you see the farmer trudging with his dripping buckets home. First, let's return to the opening song, Maple Sweet, also known as the Vermont Sugarmakers Song. It was composed by the Reverend Perrin B. Fisk of Waitsfield, Vermont, in 1858. And it's a staple in the Vermont traditional song repertoire, as documented by multiple song collectors. One of the remarkable things about Maple Sweet is that, despite being over 160 years old, it's still relevant today. The specifics of how we sugar have certainly changed since the 19th century. But the gist, collecting sap and boiling it down, is fundamentally the same. In a lot of ways, it could have been written today. We opened the show with Margaret MacArthur's version of the song from her 1982 album, An Almanac of New England Farm Songs. But we have our own seasonal tradition at the VFC of asking a present-day Vermont musician to record their own rendition of Maple Sweet. Over the years, we've received versions from two of Margaret's children, Dan and Megan MacArthur, as well as Deb Flanders, Amanda Whitman and Tony Berend, and Pete Sutherland. This year, we're lucky to have someone participating in our apprenticeship program who's studying traditional Vermont song. Here's Maeve Fairfax of Burlington. We're big fans of the refrain around here, so feel free to sing along. Oh, 
bubble, 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 bubble goes the pan. Furnish better music for the season if you can. See the golden billows, watch their ebb and flow. Sweeter joys indeed, we sugar makers know. When you see the farmer trudging with her dripping buckets home, you will know the days of sugar making then have finally come. As the fragrant odors pour through your open kitchen door, how the eager children rally ever loudly crying more. Bubble, 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 bubble goes the pan. Furnish better music for the season if you can. See the golden billows, watch their ebb and flow. Sweeter joys indeed, we sugar makers know. Do you say you don't believe it? Take a saucer and a spoon. Though you're sourer than a lemon, you'll be sweeter very soon. And the greenest leaves you see on each spreading maple tree. Let them sip and sip all summer, they'll the autumn beauties be. Oh, bubble, 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 bubble goes the pan. Maeve is 16 and is apprenticed with Vermont folk music legend Pete Sutherland, who made his own recording of Maple Sweet last year. You'll hear it a little later in the show. To listen to all of our Maple Sweet recordings and learn more about the apprenticeship program, visit our website at vtfolklife.org/untapped. Next up, you'll hear a selection of voices sharing memories and stories about sugaring, tapped straight from our archive. Since so much of our earlier work focused on rural and farm life in the state, and since sugaring is so intertwined with people's everyday experiences, the topic of sugaring came up a lot and is well represented across the collection. Many of the clips you'll hear are drawn from the extensive research of late VFC folklorist Greg Shero, particularly the large body of interviews he conducted while working on our radio series, Never Done, Farm Life in Vermont. These recordings were made in the early 90s, and in addition to providing insight into life experiences, they also document some wonderful, older Vermont accents from around the state. Continuing with our musical theme, think of the next eight minutes as a medley of reflections on the work of sugaring and its sweet rewards. Sugaring is something that uh, you've got to do it when the weather is right. You have to have sap running in order to tap or else it dries the tree up. They used to have two weeks vacation in the spring, uh, early spring. Uh, I think they used to call it sugaring vacation. And I don't know whether they did it elsewhere or not, but up here in East Braintree, they call it the Snowsville School, there were enough children whose parents sugared so that when the, a farmer thought it was time to start sugaring. All he did was call up the teacher and say that he was wanted to start sugaring, and they had their vacation when they thought that the children could be the most useful in, sh- in a sugar orchard. It's a lot of hard work, of course. It's the hardest work on the farm. And it's terribly boring doing the boiling and terribly hot. It's physically difficult work. It's it's hard work to gather. And there have been seasons when we've done the whole season on snowshoes. And to carry big pails of sap with snowshoes and maybe sink down a foot or two in the snow with every step, you know, that's just brutal. Well, it's, that's the most important uh, 
place to put the horses in the sugar woods. You just hang your lines up, and while you're gathering sap, and uh, they'll go uh, from tree to tree on demand, and and you just tend to your gathering, and and you you don't lug the sap back to them or ahead to them. You you just stop them right where it's the most handiest spot to dump the sap. You don't have to have an extra man just sit there and drive tractor and freeze to death. Yeah, you can you can be behind them or ahead of them. You speak to them to to get up, and they'll come. And and a well-trained horse, the minute you hollow hole, will stop. Dad always had about three pair, and one of them would be a pair of calves, little small ones. And uh, he would let us girls break those so that uh, by the time they got big, they would be handy for him. And then we had a, a sled that in the spring of the year, we girls would hitch our little yoke of oxen to the sled, and Dad put in six big milk cans, and we'd go around and gather the sap, bring it down to the sugar house with our little oxen, and, and he'd go out and dump it into the big tank, and we'd go and get some more. And it's a beautiful smell. It's Well, some people like roses. I, I like the smell of, of sap boiling when it's fresh. When it's new, and then long toward the end of the season, it smelled like somebody was boiling out their socks, and then it's about time I pull the hose out and throw it on in the brook. <laughs> Just about anything I cook, you could use maple syrup. Uh, rice pudding, uh, you use it as a sauce on apple dumpling and on ice cream, donuts and cakes and pies. I sweeten anything with syrup. I don't, I don't use any white sugar, and... Uh, I, I love a uh, little syrup on toast, bread. Anyway, I, I like uh, especially syrup on my bread when I'm having baked beans. And we have syrup in the baked beans. We use syrup for sweetening baked beans. Syrup is something I use all the time, three times a day. And uh, it's excellent in uh, bran muffins. And cake and a maple pudding is very good. It's like a cornstarch pudding, only put maple syrup in instead of white sugar. You can pickle hams and bacons with maple syrup. You use dark maple syrup so to give it more flavor when you're pickling hams and bacons with them. We had maple cream, and maple cream you we used on hot muffins, toast, could use it as frostings. It was uh, a nice sandwich spread with peanut butter, uh, maple uh, cream and bananas are very good, and peanut butter. We children never had any candy. I can't ever remember having ca any candy when I was a child. But we always had maple sugar cakes that we could go and get whenever we wanted sweet. Oh, Christ, I used maple syrup on everything. And when I was a kid, I used to have it on my potato. My grandfather started me with that. Well, I can tell you that you would take the last run of the sugaring operation, you know what I'm talking about? About get down where you can kind of taste the leaves in it, that sort of thing, yeah. And instead of boiling it down to syrup, you boil it down more or less halfway, we'll say. It's, it's, it's still like water, as far as that part of it goes. And of course, it's got considerable sweet in it. And you dry it off and you put it in the barrel. And uh, it was not only permissible, but it was uh, common to put in anything you might happen to think would add something to it, like a 
perhaps uh, <clears throat> 10 quarts of corn, and of course you'd put in the hops, and you'd put in the raisins, and uh, you'd let it work. Of course, the sugar would work it, and so forth and so on. And this would be fit to drink about the first of hand, which would, in those days was 4th of July. You started haying 4th of July. And so uh, was by the middle of July, the, the sap beer. Now, sap beer was very peculiar stuff. It was uh, the same people could make, would make sap beers the best their ability, and sometimes it turned out junk, stringy. Nobody could drink it. Cut it off with a pair of shears, that sort of thing. Again, you could have sap beer that was just as clear as any ale you ever saw, and I don't think the man ever lived he could drink two eight-ounce glasses and walk ten minutes later. I don't believe so. So that was sap beer. I, I doubt if there's a barrel of sap beer in the state of Vermont today. I doubt it, but I don't really know. But I must say, it was a pretty good drink for hand. Pretty good drink for hand, yeah. To end the medley, we'll move a bit closer to the present. Here's sugar maker Ken Hastings, recorded in 2010. You know, sugar is something that's really a disease. You, you either have a disease of sugar or, or you don't. And it, it's something that, you know, I don't, I can't explain it. It just, if you like sugar and, you, you know, and I can talk to people today and you can, you can have a conversation with a sugar maker that's totally different than I can have with you. You know, because of maybe the knowledge that we both share or the the quirks of how the thing goes and, you know, pondering, well, how do you do that? Or, you know, and sometimes you have secrets. And I think maybe you try to maybe you try to make everything seem a secret sometime. Like, I know something you don't. But, you know, that's part of the cherished part of the sugar maker uh, community, I guess. To complete our maple-themed tour of the VFC archive, we're excited to share another song. Dans le temps des sucres, nous sommes tous invités sans trop de luxe pour aller en manger. <coughs> Quand tout est préparé, les œufs, le lard salé, le pain pour la trempette, un flacon pour fêter, ça c'est pas bête. <laughs> You might notice this one is in French. Of course, Vermont shares not only a border with Quebec, but also a rich history of cultural exchange and influence. As a result of immigration from Quebec in the 19th and 20th centuries, almost 25% of Vermont's population today traces its roots to French Canada. One of the Folk Life Center's goals is to help foster these connections, calling attention to the ways Franco-Americans have shaped the culture of modern Vermont and creating ways for all Vermonters to engage with these components of our collective heritage. In Vermont, we go to the sugar house. In Quebec, it's la cabane à sucre, the sugar shack. And the social aspect of gathering in the sugar woods is also celebrated in depictions of Québécois and Franco-American culture. In the late 1990s, Franco-American cultural advocate Martha Pellerin, who you met in Episode 6 of Vermont Untapped, received a small grant from the Folklife Center to document the song repertoire of Alberta Gagné of Highgate, Vermont. Martha documented hours of Alberta's songs, and thanks to a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities, we're working with our friend, colleague, and French-Canadian music specialist, Lisa Ornstein, to create a detailed catalog of Martha's work with Madame Gagné. 
Partons en route, les hommes partent en avant de sur la croûte, les paniers à la main, les femmes suivant de près, en blouse et en gilet, s'écrièrent en toute tête, préparez les palettes pour la sucrète. Là, la cabane, s'écria bien gauche, cria tout en cœur les filles et femmes, le front ouvert de soeur, les hommes de leur côté, pour montrer leur, leur gaieté, s'écrient, se font l'écho des femmes, se crient à plein gauche, la cabane. The title of the song you just heard, Dans le temps des sucres, translates to In Maple Syrup Season. Here's Lisa sharing a little bit of what she learned. Hi, I'm Lisa Ornstein. Um, I am a uh, <laughs> fiddle player, a folklorist, a political activist. I live in Olympia, Washington. Uh, when I was in my teens, I got the. I was fortunate enough to know the Baudouin family. Just a note: the Baudouins are a Burlington-based family who greatly influenced Franco-American culture in Vermont and nationally in particular through the fiddle music of the late Louis Baudouin. And Louis Baudouin was really my mentor, first introducing me to the beautiful music of uh, Quebec um, and Franco-American New England. And um, I'm lucky enough right now to be working on a project um, with the Vermont Folklife Center focusing on cataloging the songs of an amazing singer whose name was Alberta Gagné, from Highgate Springs. VFC archivist Andy Kolovos hopped on Zoom to speak with Lisa about the history of this song and the importance of this particular recording within collections of Franco-American and Canadian songs. And we are recording. Um, so, Lisa, it's always fun to, you know, sort of play with you in the archives, and it was super fun <laughs> for me to, to come across this song. Uh, with you. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you learned about this particular song uh, so our non-French speaking audience uh, can get some insight into what it's about. Okay, so um, the the title of the song is Dans le temps des sucres, which means basically in maple syrup season. Um, and uh, the, the song is a uh, good-natured evocation of a family gathering at the sugar shack during maple syrup season, um, um, trudging out there with all of the things that you're going to use to make your meal, everything cooked in syrup, and um, everybody in a high state of spirits, and uh, eating too much tear, well, maple taffy, and um, going home just like totally stuffed and you know, with a few regrets about, you should have stopped there, but you just didn't. But overall, just enjoying the whole thing and realizing that the day after you're already thinking about next year. So that's the gist of the song. And um, the authorship is unknown. Uh, it appears to have originated in Quebec, obviously not in France where maple sugaring is just not a thing, right? Uh, very likely dates back to the second half of the 1800s. And um, what's interesting is that there are very few documented versions of this song. And up until the Vermont Folklife Center received Martha Pellerin's collection uh, with uh, the songs of Alberta Gagné, this is, there were no documented versions in the United States. So 
This is the one at the Vermont Folklife Center. On se décharge des paquets des paniers qu'on met en charge à sa chère moitié. Les hommes tout aussitôt s'arment de leurs couteaux, préparent des palettes pour qu'entendre s'écrire et la tirer prête. The song itself, um, the melody is a very old melody uh, dating back at least to the end of the 1600s and probably earlier than that. It was a very popular melody in France. It got pressed into service for any number of sets of lyrics that people made up about it. And in fact, in Quebec, there is another song uh, that is a humorous evocation of another tradition, which is the Christmas season traditions called Dantan des Fêtes, which is set to the same melody. Dans nos chaumières, nous sommes tous, nous sommes tous arrivés sans trop de misère, et Depuis mon arrivée, j'ai entendu parler que malgré toutes nos peines, nous y retournerons l'année prochaine. Thank you, Lisa, for all your amazing work helping us better understand the Franco-American materials in the VFC archive and making them more accessible. To learn more about these collections and the other recordings you heard in this episode, check out our show notes at vtfolklife.org untapped. Spring is on the horizon. I'm looking forward to sharing more Vermont Untapped with you in the coming months in our somewhat official third season of this show. Expect new episodes monthly through midsummer when we'll probably take a little break. We're always looking to make the show better and to reach more people. So if you're a fan, please tell others to look us up and subscribe. Lastly, I hope you find the sweetest joys of the season at your local sugar house or cabane à sucre. I'll leave you with Pete Sutherland singing Maple Sweet. Oh, bubble, 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 bubble goes the pan. Furnish better music for the season if you can. See the golden billows, watch their ebb and flow. Sweeter joys indeed, we sugar makers know. Than for home or love or any kind of sickness, it's the thing. Take this episode of Vermont Untapped has been made possible in part by the National Endowment for the Arts and the National Endowment for the Humanities. Democracy Demands Wisdom. It was produced by me, Mary Wesley. Our executive producer, who also happens to be the VFC archivist, is Andy Kolovos. The cello music in this show was recorded by Dave Hoy. We thank the MacArthur family for use of Margaret MacArthur's recording of Maple Sweet from her album An Almanac of New England Farm Songs, and Ty Gibbons for providing us with a copy of the song. Thanks for listening. Sweeter joys indeed we sugar makers know.